Hello and welcome to the Sacred Remembering Podcast, the place for modern women who are waking up to the truth of who they are on a path of feminine and masculine reunification. I'm your host, Sarah Poet. Women are healing from outdated paradigms and we are rising, but we're not doing it by fighting or further depleting ourselves anymore. We do it by remembering who we are and standing in that unified truth. Here, we remember together through stories, tools, and curiosity. And in doing so, we bring forward the place of women in our modern world. We infuse the sacred with logic, soul with spirit. We heal, embody, and activate a new feminine leadership. Listen, learn more, and work with me at sarahpoet.com. Now, let's begin. Hello and welcome to the Sacred Remembering Podcast. This is Sarah Poet. Thank you so much for joining Ariel and I on today's episode. Ah, this is such a rich episode for you. I'm really excited to introduce to you Ariel Brown. Uh, this is just an incredible conversation for anyone, <laughs> anyone who's human, um, but it's about relationships and polarity and desire. We really cover a lot of ground. Um, I really love how Ariel talks about power with versus power over. We're really recovering from some power over dynamics in our culture, and we want to <laughs> re reorganize those energetics, and Ariel is leading that. Um, I love this episode because we're talking about women speaking what they want and really allowing ourselves to touch into our authentic desires and know what those desires are, um, and then allowing the body to lead in intimate settings and allowing ourselves to speak uh, what we want, which of course my work is is largely about women identifying um, her truth and being able to live that truth in the world. But here, uh, Arielle is talking too about how do we live that truth while also being sensitive to what the men folk have been going through in this patriarchal culture as well, and how to actually lead as women in intimate spaces and cultivate the space for the intimacy to go deeper. So I know a lot of you listening um, are wondering, you know, like, how do I, how do I, you know, introduce my partner, my male partner to some of this? And how do I navigate, um, you know, my awakening with, with his awakening or lack thereof? And this episode actually begins to address that as well. So Welcome. I cannot wait for you to meet Arielle. Um, I want to tell you a little bit about what's going on in Embodied Breath in my practice before I read Arielle's bio and we get started with the interview. Uh, we have a few weeks left to sign up for Heartland. I'm really excited about this eight-week activation sequence. It's going to be in a group setting. This is for women who are ready to really own their energetic and financial sovereignty. Um, so you can learn more at sarahpoet.com backslash heartland and just be forgiving with me because I am in the middle of a website navigation to another uh, site. So you have to click through twice from there, but that is an easy link, sarahpoet.com 
backslash heartland. And the heartland, I don't know if you've listened to podcast episodes 67 and 70, where I share some of my journey with the heartland and this new codex. That's what it is. That's what I'm (laughs) claiming. Um, It is a new codex for women that really looks at deleting or um, I'll say dismantling the consumption program. So what is that? Uh, the consumption program is is all of these energetics that leave women depleted, feeling like you have to give yourself away, um, or working super, super hard, but still feeling like your resources are not um, gaining, like you are not benefiting in, you know, more time, more energy, more money. And this is correcting those energetics. Heartland corrects those energetics. I was in the woods with a friend on Sunday and they were saying, you know, tell me about the Heartland. And I was telling a bit of the story about the, um, the, experience living with the land for the last 16 months and really listening to these feminine and masculine energetics in nature and coming into this right relationship with resources and um, really looking at how this consumer program deleted my resources, depleted my resources. And uh, now I'm in story mode, so I'll just keep sharing. And um, they said, we, we stopped by this little like waterfall this little trickly waterfall that if you were, you know, a tiny little, uh, (laughs) like shrunken person or fairy or something, um, it would have been just like this gorgeous scene, but it was miniature style. And I looked down and I said, Oh, there's, there's a heart rock right there. Um, as we were out in nature and, and talking about the heartland and they said, yeah, I thought I saw that too. And then they said, um, you know, ask, is this, is this rock for you? And I'm actually holding the rock and I'm really surprised to find myself telling this story, but it was quite magical to be out, um, in nature and feeling these, these heartland energetics. And then the land is like, yes, you know, you're on the right track. Here's a rock that looks like a heart. (laughs) And so, um, you know, that's, that's a little bit of, you know, inside look as, as was episode 67 and 70 as to how I really live in this mystery and this cultivation of the mystery and how the mystery has been teaching me about the right relationship with resources. And yeah, so just a little story to share that the heartland is coming through. The energetics are really potent at this time. And it's like I said to my friend in the woods, I said, you know, the heartland is really about the end of feminine depletion. Okay, because the feminine energetic has been in an orientation of depletion for a really long time. And this is about the end of that you know, so we can't suppress, um, feminine or masculine. It's like I said, in my TEDx where, where we suppress the feminine systemically as a culture that only increases a shadow masculine 
aspect out of us as women, out of the collective, you know, that's what patriarchy has been. So the feminine and the masculine are both such beautiful archetypes and energetics and really needed for creation consciousness. Um, We don't talk about that in this episode, but we do talk about desire. And I love to listen to Arielle Brown talk about desire. And what I'll say, you know, in, in terms of heartland is that we have to be able to be in the energetic of desire as women in order to receive the consciousness that is this glorious masculine. Um, I'll say that a different way. Masculine is consciousness and consciousness holds the structure for any form. So if we as women are wanting to cultivate anything, bring anything into our lives, it's not the hard work in the shadow masculine that brings that essence into our lives. It's actually the restructuring of the energetic and the going into the deep desire and holding that desire in our right power, like Arielle talks about, and in our hearts and allowing the consciousness the sacred masculine consciousness to help to create the structure so that desire can come into being. Okay. It's a little bit complicated, but you can feel into it and I'll be teaching those energetics and those um, energetic structures and modalities in Heartland. So I hope to hear from some of you this week. We begin April 15th. So get in touch with me soon if you're interested in this affordable and potent program. So I will introduce Arielle via her bio, and then we will get to the conversation. Thank you for being Arielle Brown is a coach, teacher, and truth alchemist specializing in intimacy energetics, embodied emotional intelligence, and authentic communication skills. Through her one-on-one work, online courses, and group facilitation, Arielle has cultivated a body of work addressing the increasing need for evolutionary approaches to intimacy, sexuality, and spirituality that facilitate power with, rather than power over, models of relating. Her work emphasizes shadow integration and the unification of feminine and masculine polarities in service to self-actualization and somatic awakening. Some of her background includes a BA in clinical counseling from Washington College, a certified eating psychology coach degree from the Institute of the Psychology of Eating, a certified orgasmic meditation coach from One Taste. Um, She's a graduate of the Sacred Future School for the Transformation of Consciousness and Culture. She's a graduate from Heal Thyself a diversity intensive for healers and coaches racialized as white. Arielle is ever the student and will continue to learn until the day she leaves this plane of existence. Hi, Arielle. Welcome to the Sacred Remembering Podcast. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, I'm so excited about today's conversation. And um, we're going to talk about intimacy and polarity. Uh, you, you call yourself the intimacy catalyst on Instagram. I love mm. that. Sparking intimacy wherever you go. 
<laughs> uh, wonderful. And so right now you're in Hawaii. Yeah, I'm on the big island of Hawaii in the Puna district, which is like one of the most southern tips of the island. What took you there? You know, this is my fourth time here. And uh, I was actually here uh, when the volcano erupted several years ago. And uh, truthfully, I feel I have uh, some form of a sacred soul contract with this island and the goddess Pele uh, to be of service here. And uh, my soul feels very alive and activated here. And I'm actually living... Uh, at this beautiful, you know, retreat center uh, with this gorgeous community that's kind of at the ground level of reestablishing themselves after the lava flow and COVID. And uh, it's been a really powerful and beautiful time. Amazing. How long have you been there? This time I've been here for almost two months. Uh, I will likely be extending another month and then potentially Moving here, I've um, been offering uh, my intimacy work, and you know, one of my one of my greatest passions in life is bringing, uh, facilitating the experience of deeper intimacy within existing communities in a way that's necessary for the next level of their expansion and evolution as a whole. And I've been able to. Uh, bring this work into this gorgeous community that just has such a beautiful love for this sacred land and uh, is looking to really heal kind of, you know, the the break between the indigenous peoples and the new peoples inhabiting this land. And um, it's just powerful. And I'm really grateful to be here. Beautiful. Yeah, I'm, I'm really hearing how it's natural the the intimacy and the connection and it's central to everything you're saying and, and central to your way of being and, and to your reason there and I'm curious to hear a bit about your personal story you know this is the sacred remembering podcast where we talk about coming into a remembrance of of our own soul's journey of the divinity of who we are mm-hmm. um, of this authenticity and so yeah, it's a broad question, but I wonder if you might want to share some of your own personal journey, um, how you became this intimacy, I'll say expert or intimacy catalyst or mm-hmm. so interested in human connection. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll see if I can encapsulate it. Uh, and it's funny, I've told this story many times and each time it's subtly different. So I'll feel into the flavor of, of this time. And, you know, I would say that my journey started really um, through the experience of being deeply insecure and terrified of vulnerability. Um, mm. My parents got divorced right around the time I was transitioning from a private Jewish school into a public middle school. And, you know, even just the the, the divorce in itself and kind of the, the, the breaking down of some really core relationships in my life and not really having the space to emotionally process or even knowing at 10 years old that that's what I needed to do. Um, I, you know, went into middle school and high school and you know, reflecting back was just so afraid of rejection, so afraid of opening myself up to the potential of being, you know, abandoned or judged that I just held walls 
around myself of sarcasm and didn't have a lot of friends, didn't date throughout, you know, all of middle school and high school and was um, definitely a late bloomer uh, when it came to intimacy, if if that's what you can call it, Um, because I got into college and went from you know, really using my my childhood bedroom as kind of a place to recluse and, you know, hide from the world. I was, you know, I went to college and I was living in dorm life with a, with a college, uh, you know, roommate who loved to party and was kind of thrust into the conventional college atmosphere of, well, you're supposed to drink and you're supposed to hook up and you're supposed to party and I was never really a drinker. Even when I went out to bars, I would just like not drink, but just go and hang out. But I really, um, I really had this longing to be chosen by a man. Um, I had this, I apologize if you hear sounds in the background. It's part of living in a in communal community. property. It's part of <laughs> yeah. living in community. So let's just add it to the experience. Yeah. Um, you know, I, you know, you talk about the abandonment ruins and the you know the the importance of the role of the father. Just wanting to clarify, I have a really beautiful relationship with both of my parents right now, and I'm deeply grateful. And we've done a lot of healing work together. And you know, I really what I think uh, what I've seen through my work is kind of a, a similar experience for many women is this deep desire to be chosen by a man and uh, yet yeah, chosen by a man. And um, I felt that, well, if I have sex with a man, it's more likely that he'll choose me. So I spent a lot of my high, uh, college years having sex with a lot of different men. Um, some people might think it's an absurd amount, but I think it's the perfect amount for me. Um, and um just having a lot of, uh, you know, kind of empty sex. And by empty sex, I mean, I was, um, I was so, uh, I would say even addicted to being chosen by a man that all of my attention was placed upon his experience. And uh, I didn't know how to ask for my pleasure. I I didn't really know what I wanted. I I was uh, probably afraid of asking for adjustments in sex because I was afraid of being too complicated or asking for something that maybe it wouldn't actually give me what I wanted. And then the fear that he would get frustrated and I would be rejected. So um, I wound up having a lot of sex that actually wasn't about me being present and engaged and receptive in my body. Um, and even having trouble falling asleep afterwards, you know, because there was, there was such a fear of vulnerability that still existed in me that my, my body was kind of in this perpetual state of contraction and like self-control. So my body couldn't relax to fall asleep because I was afraid of letting go of, you know, uh, looking a certain way or appearing a certain way. And, um, it colored a lot of my college experience. And, you know, when I reflect on it, we were talking a bit earlier about bringing truth and authenticity into relationships. I would say probably my most fulfilling sexual relationship in college, the one of many was um, with a friend who I wasn't, you know, even considering as a romantic partner. There was a, there was a freedom that existed between us because I wasn't want needing or wanting him to choose me, which is a significant piece of 
you know, the work that I teach around relationship creation. Um, but anyway, you know, in college, along with my challenges with sexuality, uh, I also had a really complicated relationship with food and my body. Um, I was, I didn't have, you know, bulimia or anorexia. However, I was obsessed with tracking my caloric intake and would yo-yo back and forth between binge eating and chronic dieting and was just really consumed um, by quote unquote controlling my body. Um, So fast forward, I had a BA in clinical counseling psychology and a minor in philosophy and Rather than going uh, to get a PhD in counseling psychology, I decided to move to California uh, and go to culinary school uh, because I was working in a kitchen at the time and wound up becoming the pastry chef while I was in college. So went to California, got a culinary degree, was working in Michelin star kitchen and all the while just like suffering in my, like just completely consumed by my judgment of my body and my desire. Um, and also, you know, ruled by it. So I was in complete judgment of this thing that I was ruled by. It was a recipe for, um, a lot of self-hate actually. And I remember getting to this place where I was in my bedroom and I was trying to fit into this pair of jeans that I was able to fit into in college and I would try them on like every other night. And I remember getting to this place where I went from trying to fit into the deep jeans to trying to rip them to shreds with my thigh muscles. (laughs) And there is this beautiful moment of like, wow, Ariel, the thing that you're trying to fit into, you actually hate Mm -hmm. and you're, you're trying to rip it apart right now. So there's something here for you. Um, so in that moment, I was like, I'm going to type food psychology into Google because I'm not anorexic. I'm not bulimic, but this thing with food is controlling my life. Um, so I wound up founding the Institute for the Psychology of Eating, um, which is a gorgeous program around an alternative approach to how we relate with food, the body and the sacred and pleasure. And uh, got certified as an eating psychology coach, left the culinary industry, started working with women around body image. And, you know, all amidst that time, this was my mid twenties at this point. um, I had a habit of getting myself into these rather destructive uh, romantic relationships with men um, where they were either trying to control me or manipulate me, or there was just this, um, there was this dramatic element to the relationship that, um, as I reflect on it, have reflected on it, were a way of um, having me feel special and a way of kind of distracting myself from my own fear of not being able to take care of myself in my own life. And, um, you know, I remember getting to this another breaking point where I'd gotten out of the severely abusive, not severely, but rather abusive romantic relationships and then into a relationship with a really beautiful man who, you know, also struggled with bipolar disorder. And again, the the relationship was just not, it was, it was not what I desired it to be. 
And I remember there was a day where I was lying alone in my bed and reflecting on the fact that of all of the sexual experiences that I've had, the amount of truly pleasurable and connected sexual experiences that I'd ever had were quite small and that I was the common denominator in that experience. Mm. And that awareness is what really catapulted me into my own sexual healing journey and the study of different uh, lineages and alternative, you know, ways of working in relationship to the body and intimacy and spirituality that, you know, catapulted me both into my own exploration and also, you know, the guiding and mentorship of other people on their own reclamation and embodiment journey. Beautiful. Thank you for that story. I love a story and I love how I can really hear, I'm sure listeners can, the the way that the soul like opens the windows on your path, you know, and, and, um, you have these experiences and then it's like, Oh, there's, there's an aspect of truth. I'll follow that. There's an aspect of truth. I'll follow that. Um, and that, I mean, that's what sacred remembering is. It's like following those breadcrumbs home, um, to your truth, to the truth of who you are. Mm. I would love to go back to desire. Um, and I was kind of being with a layer of this in my own life recently. And I was really reflecting on how every woman that I've, that I've worked with that's come into my practice over the last few years, the hardest thing to do is name desires. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think you, you alluded to the conditioning, but I would love to hear you speak on this, the, the topic of desire. Why is it difficult for women to name their desire. And what does yeah. that even what does that even mean? <laughs> well, and so I would say that desire isn't something that's just difficult for women. I would say that desire is something that can be challenging along the human spectrum regardless of gender. And you know, there are also like nuances of gender conditioning where it's like, oh, the end this 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 could be a reason that it's a particularly challenging for women, whereas men might have their own way, the reason that it's challenging. Um, so I'll speak to the human condition around desire is, um, to me, desire, when it's an authentic desire, uh, you know, I teach on the difference between authentic desires and compensatory desires, whereas, you know, a compensatory desire is more of a surface level desire that serves as a distraction for a deeper desire. Like the example might be my authentic desire is for deeper human connection, um, but the vulnerability that it would require for me to create more of that authentic human connection is confronting to me. So the compensatory desires, I'm going to eat, uh, you know, a pint of ice cream every night because that's hitting some spot and desire for sweetness, but it's not uh, challenging to my identity, to who I believe myself to be and how I have learned to create the idea of safety and security and comfort in my life, which brings us to 
why desire is so challenging for people because when we connect to our authentic desire which to me is the it's the voice of the soul guiding us towards the fulfillment of our destiny it's our authentic desires are uh, when we are willing to listen to them and really do the inner excavation to discover what they truly are um are the things that guide us towards the remembering of to who we truly are and the embodiment of our potential. And it's for this reason that desire can be incredibly threatening because when we start tapping into our authentic desires, you know, it might be like, wow, um, I'm feeling this desire to explore this attraction that I have to this person, but they're either totally outside of my range or my preference, or I'm already in a relationship with someone. And the idea of even acknowledging that I have attraction to another person feels so deeply terrifying and like it might rock the boat and ruin this perfect life, this perfect relationship that I have, that it's better to just not even acknowledge that it exists Mm -hmm. and press it down. Um, Or wow, I'm feeling this deep, like I have this amazing job that, you know, I, it's great pay and there's vacation time and there's stability, but I'm feeling this deep desire to go out and explore this, this thing that's deeply passionate, like I'm deeply passionate about that I also want to be paid for, but it's terrifying to me because it might require me to threaten the stability and the security that I, that I spent so, and the, and the notability and notoriety that I spent so long establishing for myself. So the challenging thing and the gorgeous thing about desire is that you know, to open up and really listen to and follow it, it requires us to step out of our comfort zone and the identity that we have established in kind of like a well-grooved machine that um, especially, you know, it depends who we're, you know, what, who our social network is. But, you know, if, if I follow my desire, I might threaten my, my, you know, my life stability and, man, like, how are my friends going to react? How are my, how is my partner? How are my partners going to react if I start doing, seeing, being, feeling things that are different than what they've come to expect of me? You know, so it starts tapping into desire brings up abandonment fears. Desire brings up rejection fears. Um, you know, and then we you add we can add in the question of why might desire be particularly challenging for women, um, and this is where I would connect the the relate our relationship the relationship between desire and power. Mm. That when we are connected to our authentic desire, and like let's say when I am connected to my authentic desire. I like I REL am devoted to allowing for my true desires to emerge through me because I know that I'm committed to being such a clear vessel for the divine to flow through that I know that the desires that flow through me are an expression of the divine. So the that. more yeah, I, I love that. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> so the more that I am devoted to that, the more power 
I have access to. And I'm talking about divine power. I'm not talking about power over. I'm not talking about control-based power. I'm talking about embodied power, power that you can feel and that you can transmit and that is infinite. And, you know, women have a very interesting relationship with power because there was a series of events that deliberately sought to invalidate feminine expression of power and women's access to power. And we also live in a culture where even the, the, the quote unquote good conscious men who are really doing their work to kind of, you know, release those underlying desires to dominate women or feel threatened by women's power. You know, if for us as women to access our desire um, it also means that other women might be threatened by us if we are really embodied in our desire and that we might threaten and potentially uh, in the expression of our desire, uh, like the men in our life might feel emasculated or feel like they, they can't show up, they can't perform or that the men in our life might leave us if we express our desire. So that's like the tip of the iceberg and I'll pause there. <laughs> right. Right. Really big stuff. So I mean, I love, thank you for bridging desire to power that way. Um, and, and I, I just invite everyone to follow your work and really be in, in the essence of your offerings and your work, because this topic is so big that, um, you know, that you, they're going to need to continue to follow your work to really, um, be in this, in this essence of power. But we were talking before we hit record about um, women and the potential for leadership in this space. So as women are becoming more empowered, and I almost, you know, I, I feel like there might be some more conversation there about that that path to the empowerment and the path to the intimacy, but we can circle back to that. Mm-hmm. Um, as women become more, it's not the, it's not even the traditional use of the word empowered. It's the power that you're that you're talking about, where she knows her desire, she's lit up with it, mm-hmm. and if she's coming into that experience and might be in a relationship with a man who is is not necessarily on that same road right now. Um, you were talking about how she can become the leader and how it's, it's a really nice time for that <laughs> on the planet. I would love to hear you speak to that. Yes. So I also want to clarify that, um, you know, when we are in relationship, um, the most that we can do is show up fully on our side of the track. Yeah. Right. That uh, to to lead in our relationships also requires a partner who wants to be engaged in the dance of leading and following. And, you know, as I share about the way that we as women can lead in our relationships with men, also wanting to invite the clarity of this does not mean saving. This does not mean, you know, um, caretaking. This does not mean, oh, well, if he doesn't want to do the work, I can just do the work for both of us. Mm -hmm. This is about looking at where we as women 
are suppressing or minimizing our own intuitive knowing and power and depriving the relationship of the potential nutrient that could actually transform it. (laughs) So just wanting to make that distinction. So, you know, if we get into the, you know, kind of the, 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 the masculine and feminine polarity conversation, the way that shows up in men and the way that shows up in women. Uh, one of the main places where so many of our men are undercultivated is in their, their, the cultivation and the trust in their own sensitivity is the cultivation of their emotional maturity and intelligence of their ability to intuitively feel a person and to be able to attune like a man's ability to attune to a woman to feel into her which is directly related with his relationship to his own sensitivity and his own vulnerability and, you know, so many of us as women are longing for our men to be more attuned to our emotions, to our bodies, to our desire, to our pleasure. Uh, and the, the challenge with this and the compassion that we can bring in to men's struggle with this is that we really exist in a culture, at least in America, where the cultivation of that form of power, which masculine and feminine are both aspects of power, it's, it's those are forms of feminine power that men have been shamed for right. if they're revealing. They, they, men have been beat up for, men have been killed for, men have been called the derogatory form of like gay or, or faggot or some like hot, like just, and like that in itself, the, the stigmatization of men embodying feminine energy. So, on a deep level of, you know, awareness beneath the conscious, beneath the conscious awareness, um, men are both shamed and kind of deterred from cultivating that attunement and sensitivity. And simultaneously, there's kind of this cultural conditioning that men are the ones who are supposed to be the experts and leading in the bedroom or in sexuality. And that, you know, a man is supposed to act like he knows how to pleasure a woman and is like the master of a woman's body. When in reality, every woman is a unique puzzle. <laughs> and we as women have a natural access to our, the emotional intelligence, emotional intelligence and intuition and the ability to really feel into a space. One, just because that's, that's, part of the unique gift of being a woman and two, because society has given us permission to be an embodiment of those things. Um, But the challenge here is, is that because society has told us that men are supposed to be the leaders in sex, men are supposed to know what they're doing and men are supposed to act like they know what they're doing, what winds up happening. And I'm sharing this based in my own personal journey, what my experience was and what I have seen through working with many women around this sexual, you know, pleasure dynamic between heterosexual men-women relationships, Mm -hmm. um, where, you know, despite the fact that we as women are actually more well-equipped in some ways to initially lead in the bedroom because of the access Like we, like that it's our body. Like I was saying to you earlier that feminine orgasm 
like in like in its true state, like like man is in service to the 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 blooming of feminine orgasm mm-hmm. that deep down that is all man wants. That is all <laughs> like that opening, that blooming. Um, but they also don't necessarily know how to get there. And I know that I'm generalizing right now because um, that's not true in all circumstances, but that we as women have the ability and potentially in some ways, even the responsibility mm-hmm. of guiding men with our voice, guiding men through our embodiment. And by embodiment, I mean the willingness to choose to stay present in our body and communicate about what's happening in our body during our sexual experiences. Like if we notice ourselves checking out to actually uh, be a part of coming back into the body and helping men to learn how to help our bodies relax and soften and open into deeper layers of pleasure. Uh, And that requires us as women to realize um, the power that we have and the role that we play in co-creating these deeply intimate and sacred experiences. So beautiful. Thank you. I've said a lot of that. I like I've, I've communicated the gist of a lot of what you just said, but you said it so eloquently. <laughs> Thank mm, you. You're welcome. Yeah. And I want to spend a little bit more time there because that that's definitely a road that I've walked as well. Um, you know, coming into embodiment and being a woman on this this path of remembering and this path of, you know, working with the polarities and and healing my body and the trauma in the body and coming back into the body and then really realizing a lot of um, deep desire around sexuality and pleasure and like coming into my body in that way, mm-hmm. that can take a man by storm, mm-hmm. <laughs> that can, that, you know? And so there's a, I found that there's like a, an egoic or performance element that does come up um, a lot of the time with men. Yeah. It's like, well, damn, I was supposed to be the one, you know, I'm like paraphrasing for the gentleman, you know, the, the, uh, the voice on the inside of the gentleman. It's like, I was supposed to, you know, know how to do this. I'm supposed to like dominate the situation. I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to just know and have it all together. And so um, when a woman does want a man to open in that way, can you speak to how she invites it? I mean, as an intimacy coach, how would you, um, for women listening, how would she invite that when all of those pressures, those societal pressures in the men will likely come up. Yeah. Yeah. It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful question. And it's funny. It actually makes me think of, um, I, so I run in very unique circles, um, you know, in this different sexuality communities and also different, you know, psychedelics communities. And it makes me think of this, um, really gorgeous experience that I had with a man while I was, 
actually under the influence of LSD. And, you know, for those of you who aren't familiar with that state, it really, it really heightens, it really heightens your awareness. And again, that, that's, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother topic of conversation. But in that experience, um, I was really aware of my own sensitivity and the energy in my body. And this man and I were just, you know, beginning to connect with each other and, you know, just, uh, starting to kiss and, you know, he was starting to move my hand, his hands around my body. And I could feel like, you know, this man's very excited, you know, he's very turned on and he's also not super attuned to my energy. Like he's not, he's not because of his own excitement and potentially also his own nervousness. He's, you know, in his head in a way where it's like, if he's up in his head, how can he really be feeling me? So really acknowledging that there's already a level of insecurity um, when this is coming up. And I remember having this experience of like, well, I certainly don't want this man to feel bad. Um, And there's a way that I can actually invite him to follow the orgasmic current of my body like through, like through movement and through approval and turn on where rather than um, like, rather than kind of shutting down and like contracting or like, wait, let me slow down for a moment. Um, You know, there's this way where when, we as women can be in a sexual experience and we feel a man not tuning into us. There's this way that I feel that like old memories of trauma can come up or fear can come up or just a feeling of not safety or potentially anger or resentment can come up. And there's a way that that can completely change the energy in our entire body and have us shut down energetically and then communicate to a man in a way where we might be making a request, but where there's also this energy of shaming him or um, like making it feel like he's doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's so much like more than even the words that are spoken, you know, the energy that we bring into a situation um, is so much of what's going to impact the person. And if we come in with the energy of shame or like, no, you're not doing this right. um, That's just going to have a man. It's going to have a man be more likely to shut down and disconnect. Um, So in this moment with this man, I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to lead him with my body. I'm going to show him through the way that I'm moving my body or the way that I place my hand on his hand and guide his movement. I'm going to allow him to feel what my pleasure looks like and how he can actually relate with my body. Or I'm going to say like in this inviting voice, like, Hey, Can you move a little bit slower? Hey, can you, like, can we pause for a moment? And even just, like, noticing as I'm speaking, again, I actually want to invite, like, uh, 
Sarah, like when you feel my voice and my invitation, what do you notice in the energy of that invitation and request? Like, what do you feel in that? It's really open. It's really, um, it's really soft and generous in the, in the tone and the voice. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not at all shaming. And it's, it's Go ahead. like you are saying what you need. So um, it's not, it's, it's soft, but it's not passive. It's direct. Yeah. And there's, there's an element of like, and to, to bring that energy of communication into my dynamics with men and sexuality, the, what that requires of me on an internal level is approval for what it is that I desire, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. a trust in what it is that I desire and like a trust in my ability to lead my own pleasure. And right, there's simple things, but it's it's no small feat because Ooh, what it yeah, it, it requires a total dismantling of how we as women are taught to relate to our bodies and to sexuality and to to reclaim, you know, like God, like what it means to be a, a woman. And how to embody both our feminine energy and our masculine energy and sexuality, and that both of them um, are intent, like essential aspects of our erotic expression. And to me, that's really us being willing to engage both our feminine embodiment and also our masculine leadership. Yes. Yes. So I'm going to take this in a direction that um, I've been I've been really percolating a lot of thought in this area lately, um, specifically as it relates to such a huge part of my life story and um, many of the relationships with the masculine. But I think I think you're going to be able to totally go there with me and probably help to clarify some things as well. Mm. So in that space, when we as women are, you know, habitually or culturally in, ingrained to default some of that power to the man. Or maybe you know what you want in the bedroom and intimately, but you don't quite speak it. And then, you know, you expect him to lead and then, it, you know, he doesn't. Or you expect him to lead in the relationship. And uh, many times... Um, on this walk of reclaiming feminine and masculine, you know, when I was trying to really get the thing of being, being the feminine, like being a good woman, being mm-hmm. a good woman, you know, that, that part. Mm-hmm. And it's like, um, you know, playing with the um, submission aspects or just being naturally more submissive in the feminine what I found was that more often than not, it wasn't quite respected and understood. And then, so I think about, um, I've been talking about this in terms of like resources and we have these 
you know, the feminine as this energetic current and mm-hmm. women and, and bodies and the body of the earth as these delicious feminine resources. And for a long time, this is the current that, you know, ran the negative programming, ran the patriarchal programming because it's this um, deferral of the feminine energy or the, the taking of the feminine energy. Mm-hmm. So I guess that place of not speaking up, not speaking the truth, maybe because you don't know how to speak it yet, maybe because you're attempting to be submissive and, and hoping that the man leads, whatever the reason. Mm-hmm. I think that can so often lead to women feeling more depleted and taken from yes than than anything else. Yeah. So what comes to mind when you when you hear me share that? Yes. So this is where um you know when I speak about the the healing and cultivation and like exalting of our inner masculine and feminine polarities to me this is a common um, thing that I see, uh, in, you know, women is because, uh, what, what I see is women like looking to utilize external, uh, external expressions of masculine energy as, as a way to hold them. So let me, let me say that again. Um, if the feminine polarity is the, you know, orgasmic wave of energy that's always moving through us, if our feminine polarity is the energy of our desire, the energy of our vulnerability, the energy of our creativity, then the masculine is the container that holds all that energy. And ideally, what every person has within them is a cultivated masculine energy that is the container that holds all the aspects of who this person is. And what that container provides is structure, grounding, stability, trust in self. And when that container is there, it's easier for us to take risks in the outside world because we know that even if the outside world doesn't quite work out or pan out in the way that we desire, there's this core inner holding and inner devotion that exists between our masculine structure and our feminine embodiment uh, that is there and in place. But the challenge is because there's been so much conditioning for women to perceive themselves as a damsel in distress, as, you know, the not the breadwinner, as, you know, uh, oh, I need a man to take care of me. I need the man to go out and protect me. What many of us are doing on an unconscious level is looking for external expressions of masculine energy uh, through men or other structures to be our holding, to be our primary holding, which if you think about it, you know, from an energetic standpoint, if if the outside world is our first, you know, structure, that's a whole bunch of leaky energy that's so, just kind of like yeah, melting out, right? It's like we're we're dispersed everywhere. Yeah. So the devotion that we as women are being called to is in cultivating a deep 
uh, devotional relationship with our own masculine energy so that we are able to hold ourselves. And that doesn't mean that we don't allow other people to hold us, but it does mean that we don't become reliant and addicted to other people's holding because we don't know how to hold ourselves. Right. And it's, it's the, I, you know, I'll use the word erect. It's this erect, stable structure of the masculine. And it's not, well, it's that without the defensiveness, right? Because so many women on the path, you know, we, you're speaking to that self-protective nature like where you have the desires, but you don't believe they'll, they'll be met or you're not sure what they are. And so, uh, and maybe you have previous trauma. And so you are um, self-protective and that can sometimes, you know, appear really boundaried or sort of masculine in nature. And this is not that this is this, the sacred masculine that can hold the sacred feminine. Yes. And it's an essential piece of the puzzle, you know, especially if, you know, the people who are listening are in intimate relationships with men. And if we think about the flow of masculine and feminine energy between people, um, you know, we're like the, the ideal relationship is one that is able to kind of flow in the stance of masculine energy so that there, we're always kind of in complementary polarity with each other. You know, because because think about if, you know, if a woman uh, doesn't have a cultivated masculine energy and she's kind of always more in her feminine, flowy, soft, kind of unstructured, um, it kind of creates a situation where it's not actually balanced for a man to go more into his feminine because, you know, we seek to create balance. And if the man always doesn't feel that a woman can be in her own grounding and and holds and lead in the relationship. There's going to be this way that it's like, he feels like he needs to stay fixed in that masculine polarity because he needs to be the rock. Mm -hmm. So uh, I actually believe that it's the responsibility of us as women to learn how to cultivate our masculine polarity because it's a necessary aspect of men actually feeling the permission of women to not always have it all together. Beautiful. Yeah. I really love the way you said that. Thank you so much. Amazing. Arielle, this is so rich. I want to pause because we're rounding out an hour here and Mm -hmm. I wanted to ask you if there's anything that I didn't ask that's really on your heart to share before we close. Mm. (sighs) I feel like the main thing that's coming up is really the acknowledgement that this is, this is a dance. Mm-hmm. The, the art of intimacy is a dance and um, staying fixed in any one expression, even if it's the most beautiful expression of feminine energy or masculine energy, if we become fixed in it or attached in it, inevitably it's going to stagnate. So to really cultivate mastery in this realm of masculine and feminine polarity, which is the art of relating and the art of creation, um, 
there is this need to expect that life is a constant, accept that life is a constant state of change and evolution. And uh, that if we can surrender to that truth and cultivate the art of really letting go and trusting, um, there's a whole new experience of reality that is available. And I love it here. (laughs) I was going to say, and they can visit you (laughs) (laughs) and, um, and learn more about what that looks like because you embody that so beautifully. My, I, my cat's coming to say hello. (laughs) Um, And that's the magic cat. So she must've really agreed with what you were saying. (laughs) Yay. Yeah. I think what I was going to say earlier that we, um, didn't quite circle back to, but it's totally fine. There's so much richness here. Um, I was actually sharing with my son. I have a 12 year old son and mm. I, you know, mom always wants to like talk about the emotions and, and talk about the present moment experience. And mm-hmm. like, dad doesn't really want to do that at his house, that kind of thing. And, and so mm-hmm. this, this kid, I was like between these two situations and has this wonderful therapist, you know, that, that helps navigate, like my mom and dad are so <laughs> different. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was sharing with him this morning, I was saying, you know, your dad and I grew up in houses where we didn't learn healthy communication. We didn't learn healthy human connection. Um, we didn't yeah. learn these things. We didn't learn to have these kinds of conversations and, and make our way through them. And in fact, so much of the time it was quite the opposite. And so, you know, just to say to everyone listening that we're really, we're very much still learning and pioneering. Like Ariel, I really see Mm -hmm. pioneering um, a lot of these things and, um, you know, making these conversations the norm. And so, thank you. And mm. just wanting to, I always love to, to normalize, like, yeah, we're all on a path <laughs> of, mm-hmm. of remembering and activating. And so wherever you are on that path is great. You know, keep, keep going. Kind of thing. Yeah. 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 Mm. Where can, thank you. yeah. Where can these beauties find you on the web? Oh, well, let's see. I definitely have a presence on Instagram and Facebook. And I would just recommend checking out my website at www.arielbrown.com that has my um, updated offerings. And just you can get a sense of if you have a desire to go into deeper exploration of this work, there's a variety of ways that you can do that, uh, kind of either dipping your toe in or diving into the deep end. So <laughs> I'd recommend starting there. Wonderful. And you have a new membership program coming up. Yes. Yes. It's called the cosmic Tantra community. And it's a, it's a community for leaders, seekers, and consciousness explorers to really come together and birth the new paradigm of sex, intimacy, and human connection, and to be able to do it in community. So there's more details about that on my website. It's a monthly membership container. And uh, I also do one-on-one mentorship, coaching for singles and couples. Um, I have some self-paced courses there. So um, there's a lot of different levels at which you can engage. And uh, I'm happy to be of support of finding what might be most aligned. 
Wonderful. Thanks so much for being here and sharing your medicine. Mm, Such a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you for holding the space. Thank you all for being here. Thank you, Ariel, for the interview and for your time and energy. Oh my goodness. So many more of you are listening to this podcast all the time. And my heart right now is just reaching out to you and appreciating you so, so much. And knowing that there is such a sacred turning on, on this planet going on on this planet right now. And so, uh, that we are connecting in this way just means the world to me, honestly. Uh, I am going to ask you to please pop onto Apple or Spotify and and review this podcast. This really matters. It matters actually in more ways than I understand as a podcast host, because I did not do this for the ratings or the popularity. I did this because uh, the sacred told me to, and because we are having sacred conversations in this space. So at this time, though, it helps this conversation get to more people and for the podcast to track, which I'm, you know, a little bit interested in. (laughs) If we're going to do this, then let's listen to it, right? And share the message. So your energy investment in, um, rating and reviewing the podcast in Apple and Spotify actually really matters. So if you can take five minutes to do that today, that would be very, very appreciated. Um, thank you so much. Thank you for being here and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and tune back. And we have quite a collection of interviews if you're just now discovering us. So welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you for walking your walk of sacred remembering, and I'll see you next week. This is Sarah Poet of Embodied Breath, and thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I'm curious, what was your biggest takeaway? Remember that you are not alone on the sacred path, and women are rising now together. You can visit my website, sarahpoet.com, for more tools and inspiration to support your sacred remembering path. Please be sure to check the show notes, subscribe to this podcast, share with a friend, and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. I love to hear from you. Stay connected, and here's to your path of sacred remembering.